0: welcome to Amplified, Autistics in Conversation with Reframing Autism. I'm Ginny Grant, an autistic advocate, writer, and Reframing Autism's communications manager. And I am the host of this podcast, and today I'm thrilled to be chatting with a young autistic advocate, Medha Gupta. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Reframing Autism extends our gratitude and respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and to all Elders past, present and emerging for their wisdom, their resilience and for helping this country to heal. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. For those of you who are new to this podcast series, Reframing Autism is an Australian-based not-for-profit organisation which is run by and for autistic people and their families and allies. It is dedicated to creating a world in which the autistic community is supported to achieve acceptance, inclusion, and active citizenship. And we are all about nurturing and celebrating autistic identity. Welcome to Amplified MedHa. Would you like to introduce yourself to our audience?
1: Hi, yes, I would. So my name's is Midha. Um I have both ADHD and autism. I was only diagnosed when I was about 20 or 21, though, like uh, 20 years old for the ADHD and 21 for the autism, and I'm currently 22. So this is all uh, It's it's been the last two, two years have been very new for me, and it's been exploring sort of a new aspect of my own identity and, and a new community of people in Sydney. So far, I've been studying and working with my life.
0: Thank you, Medha. Let's start with your autism journey. Can you tell us a little bit more about when and how you learned that you're autistic?
1: Yeah, so that's actually quite interesting in that um, I very much lucked my way into it in that. So I had a therapist in general and she actually has ADHD. And so she'd been nagging me for years, going like, are you sure you don't want to get tested for ADHD? And then a couple of years ago, you know, I finally caved. I went uh, and went to a psychiatrist, and they said that, yes, you do have ADHD. Um, From then, I joined a whole lot of ADHD communities and learned that ADHD and autism Are actually very similar and go hand in hand. And the more I learned about autism, the more I'm like, hmm, maybe this is something I have. Uh, So I actually went and got re evaluated um, to a, a psychiatrist who was a lot more positive than the first one. And after I went through all the assessments there, that's when I got fully diagnosed with both ADHD and autism. Um, and got put on, you know, a, a better management plan for that as well. Um, but yeah, it's pure luck that the only, my second psychiatrist actually also was ADHD. So I find it quite interesting in that I only got to where I was and got the diagnosis I wanted through other neurodivergence. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones who are actually able to pick up on these things um when I wasn't advocating for myself where I didn't know that I had it it's yeah can
0: you tell us about how you came to understand and accept your autistic identity
1: well um it has just mostly been through the neurodivergent community in Sydney to be honest um because well we all know that there aren't great media representations that we all get growing up so like we don't I had no full understanding of what ADHD or autism were um, until I got, you know, at least my ADHD diagnosis is when I started joining these communities where people talked about it and talked about the uncommon symptoms and talked about the common misperceptions. And like these communities have been absolutely amazing. I love spending time with them. I i am so happy to invest uh, as much of my like energy as I can into them. And it's through sort of these discussions with all these like different people who got diagnosed at different times, who've had different presenting characteristics of autism as well. And I guess that's how I've slowly come to understand, and I'm still learning, um, but like neurodivergence and autism.
0: Definitely. Um, So in what ways have you connected with the autistic community? You mentioned some neurodivergent online groups.
1: Yeah, Um, so I'm not sure how common this is because I have heard other people who did the same in that when I got diagnosed, I literally Googled autism group Sydney and it's the Sydney Autism Lions Club that comes up first. And so basically I started going, they have some social meetups and then some like more important meet, like more um, uh, like basically more more agenda-based meetings um that uh, and everything's open invite and so I started that's how I connected basically I found them Mm -hmm. online on meetup.com and I started going to their social events and that sort of thing and that's how I got uh mostly involved and otherwise it's just been like you know online Facebook groups and stuff sort of introduced me to autistic communities all over the world
0: beautiful so how did your interest in autistic advocacy
1: develop? Yeah, see, that's actually quite interesting because um it's kind of just by accident. Like I didn't wake up in the morning going like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight for the rights of autistic people, you know? It's just I I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I just wanna be treated like a normal person and just being out in the community, <clears throat> being openly autistic, you know, and still doing like Things in society, like dating, having relationships, uh, having jobs, and doing all of that while being autistic, counts as advocacy and like just telling other people that like hi, I'd like to be treated as a normal person counts as advocacy, but for me it's just like I'm just trying to live my life and fit in with the with the world around me, and apparently that makes me an advocate because
0: <laughs> like.
1: Other people are like, oh what? You're meant to stay at home and I don't know, watch Big Bang Theory all day. Like (laughs) so I guess that's how it developed. Like I'm just trying to be myself and myself is apparently an advocate because I don't fit the stereotypes and idea of what people think I should be. You recently
0: contributed a presentation to Reframing Autism's Autistic Flourishing Symposium called Flourishing in Otherness. Can you tell us a little about um, what you meant by that?
1: Yes. Um, so all throughout my life, I've always sort of been in minority groups um, because so my family is like an immigrant family. So I'm, my parents were born in like India. Um, <clears throat> I'm a woman, so I'm i per- I'm an immigrant. I'm a person of color. I'm queer. Um, and then on top of that while I didn't know I am like autistic as well so I always was a little bit weird so I ne- I um, never did fully fit in with sort of mainstream culture and mainstream groups I don't always end off in sort of these side groups And like in uni I joined like queer groups <clears throat> queer groups that were led by people of color like all sorts of sort of small like minority groups advocacy groups those types of things and that's how I came to be the person I am. And I would say that that's how I learned how to like flourish, which is the theme. So all of these groups that are considered other, I ended up in communities of people who are really amazing, who teach you new ways to see the world. They teach you non-conventional ways to just live your life that are a lot healthier than I feel what, mainstream culture tells us too, like you know it's take your time with things don't worry about external pressures um everyone does things differently it's they're, they're much more compassionate messages I feel than what we're expected to do um and so yeah being in all of these other groups like groups of, of so-called weirdos because they're feminists or non-white or whatever is just really help and it's been really amazing um, and that's what the presentation was trying to be about Was trying to express just how just how positive these groups are and just how much they made my life so much more rich.
0: You mentioned the um, Sydney Autism Lions Club um, can you tell us a little bit more about um, that organization and your role within it?
1: Um, sure. So I think my role, I'm I'm the treasurer of it, actually. I joined it on a whim, like before, and I was just really interested in the stuff they do. So as a Lions Club, it's a community service-based group, but it's a community service-based club for, like, um, autism. Yeah, so we do a lot of stuff. So we throw lots of events, um, both for fundraising and that spread awareness or acceptance, like we have writing competitions, we've done trivia nights, I'm working on an online escape room uh I was meant to make this in time for like the previous lockdown because everyone Mm -hmm. was indoors so like oh an online escape room a fun event you can do from your bedroom but that's been delayed so we do lots of events like that and the other things we do so with the money that we raise we then spend and like help uh people in the autistic community who need it. So a couple of times there's been families who ended up in desperate situations because their like autistic child um, needed something that they couldn't afford, or they were just, COVID hit really hard and they couldn't afford to put like dinner on the table and we helped them out there. We're looking to invest in other things like um, scholarships for kids in like, uh autistic schools and stuff like that um so yeah we are a community service-based group uh we fundraise money with like events about based around autism and spreading sort of awareness and education about it and we spend the money on autistic causes
0: great so in terms of the advocacy work that you've done what are you most proud of would you say and uh, what do you hope to accomplish through your advocacy
1: Mm. To be honest, um, I feel like I'm still at the beginning of this journey and I'm most proud of what I think I will achieve in the next five years, if that makes sense. Like I feel like I'm on a path where we're building up, you know, more and more momentum to make more and more like impactful events and have more and more like uh, impactful services and things like that. Like our club has, in the, in the last year and a half or two years, I'm not sure that I've been a part of it, I can see us growing a lot and changing a lot. We've gotten a lot of like new members. So in terms of my autistic advocacy, I don't want to put a label yet on what I'm most proud of because I think that like we're just on the edge of getting to the things that I'm going to be most proud of. That makes sense.
0: Yes, absolutely. You're currently studying at university. Can you tell us how that experience has been for you? And if you have any advice um, for autistic or otherwise neurodivergent students who might be entering um, tertiary education?
1: Well, first of all, University was so much better than high school better, Like because I'm so neurodivergent, like I'm so autistic, but like, you know, the, the schedules of like high school and if they sort of forced you to learn certain things, even if you weren't interested in it, you had to get up at the same time every day, every morning to go to school, whether you liked it or not. And university, it just offers that flexibility that you were never allowed. And so university really worked well for me because of how flexible it was. You know, you choose your own subjects. Um, For most classes, attendance isn't compulsory. So, like, you don't always have to turn up if you're not feeling well and you can just um, sort of adjust your schedule according to what works for you. You know, if you have a bad couple of weeks, you can just catch up later. Like, it's not about uh, a a week-to-week daily performance. Like, you can have a, a stretch where you don't do a lot of work and easily make up for that in university um which i really liked and it really basically worked for me so the advice that maybe i'd have for autistic or otherwise neurodivergent students would be first of all definitely go straight to your disability officer officer and um get all the help that you can, all the extra arrangements and extra flexibility that you can because it just means that, you know, you can have extra extensions, you can have um, accommodations during exams as well and all of that. Um, the other thing is, I know that for me at least, I can do really well at assignments and I can do really badly at exams, like sitting there doing an exam. I just don't always turn up my best work, but an assignment something I can do redo sort of have that time to think about it it's more flexibility to do with that so I would say that when you're choosing your subjects don't just look at the content uh, look at the structure of that subject and be like how many assignments are there how much is the exam worth is there an exam at all um, be aware of what your strengths are as to whether you're better with assignments or exams and choose them that way so for me I'm not good at exams I would look at um, the subject structures and look for subjects with the most weighting on assignments because I know I can do assignments well and when you do badly in exams like not only do you fail the subject it affects your self-esteem as well so like you really need to focus like try and um be aware of your strengths like while you're figuring out your strengths and play to them because um it helps avoid sort of those situations where you feel like, oh, I failed this because I'm stupid. It's like, no, you didn't. It's nothing to do with your intelligence. Often you failed it because you didn't suit the structure of the subject. Um, So don't take that to heart and try and pick the subjects with more, you know, you friendly structures.
0: That's really great advice. Thank you. Um, Can you tell us what your vision is um, for your future beyond university?
1: Yes. So my long term career goals, uh, which is quite ambitious, is so we're on First Nations land and I feel responsible for that. I think that I need to do something Um, because I have decided to live in Australia. I want to find a career in helping um, helping a lot of the First Nations causes. Um, So something that I am interested in, I have a background in both social science and I'm doing a master's in data science at the moment. And what I'm hoping to do is to find a career where I'm analyzing data bias against First Nations or or I guess any racial data bias that we have uh, in Australia and find solutions for it and um, basically hold companies, governments and everything basically accountable for the data bias that exists.
0: Thank you, Medha. And thanks to our audience for listening to this episode of Amplified. If you're not already part of our social media communities, please do join us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. We also have a website, www.reframingautism.org.au which has a treasure trove of autistic-created resources. Thank you again. Goodbye.